Howdy. Oh, howdy. Hello. I'm, I'm kind of out of it. I like literally just woke up, even though it's super late in the day. I realized that. I was like, oh shit, look what time it is. I should run across the street. Oh, well, at least if you only had to run across the street. Yeah, that's true. It's weird, though, because uh, I got uh, a text from Joel's wife at like 10.30 this morning saying like, hey, I forgot I have a dentist appointment. Do you think you could babysit at like 2.30? And then I woke up at five o'clock. <laughs> like, wow. Like, oh, so was she kind of expecting you to show up? No, no, it was all fine. And I mean, yeah, like that really was just kind of, you know, out of the blue suddenly. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because, like, yeah, it's like, oh, I mean, I guess I need a, I need a day's warning. That's not uh, unusual. It's just must. It must seem weird though. It's like for someone on a normal schedule, like, you know. Maybe I'll wake up at noon if I'm a real slacker, but that's still plenty of time to come and be there by 2.30. But nope, I am so backwards in my schedule. <laughs> you must have needed to have the snooze. If you slept until 5.30, you must have needed it. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, things have just kind of slipped that way where, uh, I guess this always kind of happens in the spring. Once it's not dark all the time, it just doesn't seem to matter. Like, I don't have to soak in the sun as much, and I just, yeah, I don't know, I was up till like 6 in the morning. It actually does, I don't know, it does really feel better <laughs> to, uh, just to sleep in. I remember that used to just murder me in, like, high school. Like, I would come home after school and take a nap because I was so exhausted, and then because I took a nap, though, then I would, you know, not be, not fall asleep early and then have to get up early and go to school. It's just a never-ending cycle of just being exhausted the whole time. You need to live in those third-world countries where they take the two hours in the middle of the day and have their snooze yes. so that they can party all night. Seriously, everyone should do that, I think. It's just oh, I like, think they should. There's studies done in North America how we're so stressed out because we don't do that. Yeah, in general, I really do think it's it's just the amount people work and just the, the schedules we keep. Like, I don't know, if you're like you know rockefeller or somebody fine <laughs> go ahead you know <laughs> drive yeah, but even those guys they say the, those those people that are the real power mongers of the world mostly in their offices they've got like a little back room where they've got the cot right <laughs> or they've got the couch um like in mad men you see that all the time where they're always laying on the couch of course they've had a few toddies in the middle of the day too so they're probably half cut <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing I've heard people say before about those, like, yeah, Mad Men days when you look at that. Well, I thought this was actually interesting, was, like, when you look at stuff from the past, right, and uh, it seems so crazy now, like, the way that everybody smoked or or drinking at work, like, in Mad Men, or just, like, uh, or if you go back even further, it's, like, you know, coal mining or just, like, any weird thing people did that seemed crazy, and now, you know, we would never do it. So then the question is, like, what is happening right now? that the future is going to think is crazy. And I think it's really like internet stuff for us. Like oh, I think it is, that there's a whole crap a load of people out there who have no communication skills. Yeah, and just with the amount... people, they can communicate through their box, but they can't communicate directly to a person. Have you ever seen, it's like, I'm sure it doesn't happen a lot, but I mean, like, people that go on, like, online dates, like, they'll go to the same coffee shop and hang out, but they're not comfortable, not on their computer, so they'll still just stay on their computer and, you know, they'll just, like, web surf together. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have heard that people do that. I guess there's something to be said for, like, recognizing your limitations. <laughs> and you're just like, hey, this is how uncomfortable this is I'm going to be. But it's pretty weird. Then I heard on the radio this morning the unusual thing about what is now the Generation Z. I mean, I think that there are everybody who's under 20 
but there, some of them would be entering the workforce now as teenagers, and they are finding that whereas Generation X and Y um, were more in tune with their computers, and rather than like sitting in a classroom and learning from a person, they're just as content to learn from the internet and their machines. This new generation apparently um, wants to learn directly from people. Yeah, it's nice that it's kind of, yes, like switching back. (laughs) Yeah, like, because I really do think like that is going to be just the amount people my general age like yeah it's if if we're not watching tv then we're on our computers or playing a video game and now that there's phones it's the phone like it it literally never stops and like yeah people don't they don't spend any time like in outside in the world or or just talking to people like yeah it's all computery shit and generation z would even be more so into that but maybe it's almost like it's too much so they're going the other way yeah, or even, yeah, maybe, yeah, I think it's probably that, and maybe also just that because they grew up with it all, like, I don't know, maybe that makes the uh, the addictive pull, like, less, because it's, uh, it's just, like, you can just take it for granted. It's like, yeah, yeah, the stuff's always here, it's not a big deal. Where I think, like, last, maybe, was it last week, but I was saying how neat it was in a way that I was born right at the start of the curve, like, with Radio yeah. Shack Pong, and I got to see the whole thing, but maybe mm-hmm. that's, like, a bad thing, too, because then it's... It's like, wow, like, <laughs> I'm in the future. <laughs> like, I, I always think that's weird, too, when I see movies and stuff. Oh, I, actually, I guess that's the, the first time I remember really feeling this way was in 2008. I was on the train with that girl, Ian, that I used to date. She was the first person I knew that had, uh, like, one of those touchscreen phones, you know, like, that everyone has now. And we were just on the train watching a cartoon while, you know, Family Guy or something. And in, in my mind, I was like, I can't believe that's really there, and it's not just a special effect that a movie guy added later, you know? Because <laughs> like, that stuff's been in movies forever, like, oh, here's our little screen that you just watch stuff on. But they were just looking at a blue, you know, square, and someone later added the video on. And I was like, this is it. It's really happening. <laughs> like, all that stuff from when I was a kid of the future is literally here. Speaking of, of video movies, how was the movie last week? Oh man, so good. It's ridiculous how well that movie holds up. Casablanca is so good. And you know, one thing I noticed about it too is it's it's got so many little one-liners and quips and stuff. Like one line I never noticed before is uh, uh, Captain Renault, who's like the, the crooked, you know, head of the police. He, no, Claude Rains, the guy that, the, the part that Claude Rains plays. I, I don't know, I don't know the actor, but I'll, I'm totally, I'll take your word for it. dark guy with a mustache. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, he, there's like this young couple that's trying to get exit visas, and he wants to take advantage of this situation to have the, the woman's, the, the wife sleep with him, which was kind of risque for back then. <laughs> but uh, so he sends her to, as like a character witness, sends her to go talk to... Uh, What's, what's uh, Humphrey Bogart's character's name? I can't remember. Rick. Tells Rick. Him, yeah. So, so she's like, uh, Rick, uh, Mr. Rick, uh, you know, Captain Renault uh, said I should ask you uh, what kind of man he is. And, and uh, Humphrey Bogart goes, oh, just like any other sort of man, only more so. And, like, it's just such a nice little line. Like, that movie's almost like um, a Marx Brothers movie, except serious, like not jokey. But just so many clever lines and so much awesome stuff. 
Well, it's got enough of the little bit of humor that offsets the seriousness, too. Like, it, it creates a good balance for that, rather than just being completely serious. They, they, they throw that kind of crap in, which is, in the real world, that's what you do, too. Oftentimes, when a situation is serious, rather than then uh, really, you know, get down about it. You kind of make little jokes about it. And sometimes the jokes are really kind of not proper. You know, like somebody right. dies a horrific death and you make some little off-the-cuff remark. But it's to lighten it up a little bit. And yep. that movie is, is excellent for that kind of thing. It's such a weird time, too, because then I was reading up about it and, like, stuff like that, like that it, uh, you know, they were definitely inferring that uh, the captain was going to abuse his powers. Not even inferring, they pretty much come right out and say it to uh, sleep with women and stuff. Like, it's it's even surprising they got away with that because the, uh, the like, censorship board back then was, was kind of ridiculous. Like, uh, I guess they had to rewrite it because um, how it's like the... Uh, the like love triangle is because the the main woman she thought her husband was dead in the war so that's why she started hanging out with Rick and then she found out he was still alive and she had to leave but in the original one uh, she it was just like an adulterous thing I guess and and the censorship board was like you can't do that it's 1942 <laughs> like you literally can't put that in a movie like Jesus like really <laughs> calm down you know <laughs> and it kind of worked out better ironically the way it is now but uh, yeah, it's just funny, like, all the rules. Because it seems like we don't have any rules now. I can't imagine what you could not put in a movie now, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, I can't imagine either. So so as a result of that, oftentimes you lose that that whole innuendo thing that you used to get in a lot of those old movies. You never saw things happen. It was all just by facial expression or perhaps something that somebody said but it wasn't in your face but now it's in your face yeah no it's uh, one example of that recently i've started to, i've started to notice this from a couple angles but uh since i started watching wrestling again you know just like world wrestling federation stuff but it's changed a lot from when i used to watch it because when i used to watch it it was going for like the teen demographic and it was like oh look how cool we are and we're extreme and da 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 and now it's gone the other way like it's back to being family friendly it's like totally pg and they you know, just like have better sponsors that way and sell more merchandise to kids. So they've gone back that way. But I actually think it's better because when you go back and watch the old wrestling from 15 years ago, it's like embarrassing. It's so stupid. <laughs> you know, Like they're just trying to be so like, look how cool we are. Whoa. Where now that it's kind of back to being for kids, it's uh, it's still like anytime they do push the boundaries a little now, it's it's like funnier because it's not supposed to be there <laughs> and and the rest of the time i mean it's wrestling it's stupid it shouldn't it should just be stupid <laughs> you know well it's always it's a show and i mean it was always staged to a point yeah yeah no i mean it's uh, it's all just like larger than life big you know operatic characters and stuff and yeah that just uh fits way better for a kids type thing than for grown-ups but yeah i mean i really like it and uh the other thing i've noticed about that lately because with babysitting I've been watching a lot more kids cartoons and at the same time there's all these like there's a lot of cartoons for grown-ups now it's like a huge industry and I've started to really realize lately like I just don't like them like Brad will show me one or Joel will show me one or somebody whoever everyone's into these these shows and I just don't like them I'm like I don't think these are that funny they're really boring like I don't even know why I'm watching this this cartoon for grown-ups and uh but then when I go back and watch these kids' cartoons, like Powerpuff Girls and weird stuff like that, 
they're just so much better because they still do throw in the weird little references and the stuff for the grown-ups but but then it's like I, I don't know it's, it's all just context I guess like if there's a sex joke in Powerpuff Girls I'm like holy shit like I can't believe they put that in there that's amazing but if there's a sex joke in a show that's nothing but sex jokes I don't give a shit like who cares why am I watching this Yep, the old innuendo goes a long way because it makes you think a little bit. It's not, it's not right in your face, and that's why movies like Casablanca survive because they've got these. Uh, you get your top level that's pretty, you know, pretty mundane actually. But when you start listening to the under the, the second layer of, of what's going on there, and you start noticing facial expressions that convey a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of messages that you didn't get if you're just looking at it at that top superficial level that's why those those uh they've lasted the test of time because you can keep watching them over and over and every time you watch them there's always some more little thing that you get out of it yeah it really was neat too how i was saying how um how citizen kane you know if there was a if there was a point to it it was way too obscured and way too light a point and just not worth digging through all that to get to but casablanca even i mean it doesn't it doesn't force it down your throat, but I mean, it is kind of about stuff. Like it's kind of neat. It's like he's like, you know, uh, Rick used to be a, like on the supporting, you know, the war effort and helping rebels and stuff and running guns and doing all this stuff. And now he's just like, whatever. I don't care. I don't put my neck out for no one. But by the end, him and the captain both like decide like, nah, man, we got to do something. We can't. You know, it's Nazis and stuff. It's crazy. So like, it's not a huge. Uh, point or anything, but at least it is something. <laughs> like you know, it seemed like it had more of a purpose to it than than like a Citizen Kane say. Like it's kind of mildly inspiring. Yeah, speaking of Nazis, there's an excellent TV show on um, CBC. It's called um, Company X or X Company, X Company, I think it's called. Anyway, whatever. And it is really well done. It's a series. It's probably going into like its fourth week or fifth week now. Like for example, here was last week's story. It's about these um, these underground guys that are actually trained in Canada and they send them overseas and they work with like as if they were they're not working they're not the resistance but they it's like they're working for the resistance. Anyway, last week uh, they go to this. Uh, there's this woman who is uh, the mayor of a small town in France and she. Oh, everybody, she plays right up to the Nazis because that's how she keeps the town. That it's not bombed and beaten up, you know, and anyway, she seems to be getting along with the Nazis, so the whole town seems to hate her. Right. But anyway, when this crew gets over there, they're supposed to be be uh, uh, blowing up a, a train that's carrying munitions. But they meet up with her, and she tells them about this niece that she's got, that she's very worried about her, because as part of the the whole Nazi scheme. The Nazis came into her town, and she was a, a, a principal of a school. And they asked her, they said they would provide all this super education for these girls to go to this special school. So she was to pick the brightest, the most attractive. You know, they had all these attributes that they had to go with. But she said she was very worried about this girl because she had heard that one of the girls tried to escape and was shot right on the wall of this school as she was trying to get out. So anyway, they break into the place. And what they find out when they get there is these girls are uh, not being trained for that. They are being impregnated by these uh, Nazis, 
so that the children that are born are the super children. Because, and these girls are all beautiful, beautiful girls. They're both 15, 16, 17. Um, so they're all impregnated. And if any of the babies are born with anything that's wrong, well, those children are disposed of. And then uh, the girls would be impregnated again. Well, this girl had tried to escape. So she was, as soon as her baby was born, they were going to do her in because she was too much of a risk to keep there. Uh, and these babies would be, so they showed this nursery with all these newborn babies in them, which were just waiting to be um, uh, taken in by, by Nazi families who would raise them. Is this and based on a true story, or is it just a fiction thing? Well, I don't know if it's fiction or not, but it could be real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly, if anything, this would be one of the least horrifying things Nazis did, but yeah, just, just curious. So, uh, oh yeah, and, they, and then they do tests on these girls and everything, too. But anyway, so that, that was last week's story. And uh, so, of course, they escape with some of these girls, but the, the main girl that they're looking for, uh, she, gets, uh, she gets murdered by the, by the Nazis. But it, but it, it's that kind of that kind of uh, it's very well done. It's on Wednesday nights. What's it called again? It's called X Company. Okay, cool. And they've and the five people there were five that day. One of them is a girl, and one of them is a guy that's a real like he's a real nerdy type. He's 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 been overseas, but he's shell shocked. And every time there's loud noise, it's like he freaks right out. But he's got this ability to he's got like a photographic memory, and he can look at like anything and just just like that he's got it so he they don't really want him on the team because he's got this problem of kind of freaking out and he's very withdrawn and very um um well just withdrawn i guess he's what he'd be a loner i mean that is kind of the war movie archetype right of like the quiet religious guy that goes crazy (laughs) there's always somebody like that or whatever yeah and then they got a young guy that's a, the bomb expert. He only looks like he's about 17 years old in it. Um, and then they got the guy that's kind of the bully. He's a he's from the streets of Britain, and uh, you know he knows all the. He's he's pretty tough. But it, it's good. It's and it's, it's very well done. Yeah, that sounds kind of cool. I wonder if shows like that is that a Canadian show? It's yeah, it's Canadian. I wonder if I'd even be able to track that down. I remember when I lived in New York, I would try to find Canadian TV shows sometimes, and uh, they're really hard to get. <laughs> like they're not. It's not like American shows you can just steal everywhere and whatever. Anyway, so anyway, that's one that you might want to keep your eye your eye on. Yeah, I'll do a little search. Yeah, see if I can dig it up, especially if it's like just kind of just started. Like that's so much easier to get into and that's another thing just to jump back for a sec but um like these cartoons that uh are like like when i say cartoons for grown-ups too like they're really not still they're they're still just you know they're not it's not like there's tons of violence and blood and nudity in them they're just they're just i don't know like they're these weird middle ground anyway there's this show called archer that everybody loves it's just about a james bond guy and he's kind of sarcastic and he's a drunk or whatever and everybody seems to think it's so great, and I don't know, I just don't, don't see why it's so funny. But it's like six seasons in, and I'm just like, look guys, like, obviously I'm not into it anyway. And you really, like, you really think I'm going to watch six years worth of this show? <laughs> like, like, I feel like if you don't get in on, ground, on the ground floor with TV shows, like, forget it, you know, who cares? Well, I gotta, no, most of them that I've started watching, I never, I never ever saw them from the beginning. Yeah just kind of hop in oh so that's one thing um 
with uh, I think another reason too that like all this stuff with um, like uh, I don't know when like trying to make kids stuff for grown ups like cartoons for kids and wrestling I mean cartoons for grown ups and wrestling for grown ups and all this stuff is I do kind of wonder like why do these grown ups need this shit <laughs> you know like this is the kind of stuff that's supposed to be for kids and if a grown up wants to watch it then great or video games I've been noticing that a lot too I played uh do you remember those old games, Monkey Island? They were about pirates. Yeah, yeah. So I was playing Monkey Island with Joel's kids, and it was cool because it, it's that's you know when I was uh, played it, I was a kid, and then the, you know they can't really play it; they just watch me play it. But like ever since, they've been making Monkey Island games, but for my demographic, they just keep making them for grown-ups, and and it's just like pointless, and no one cares. And then playing them with a kid again, it's like, oh yeah, like why aren't they making these games for kids? Like, this is all supposed to be for kids. This weird generation that I'm in where we just... Transformers movies and all this shit. It's like, let it go, dude. These are supposed to be for kids. Anyway, what I'm getting at is... Did I ever tell you that I wrote a kid's book? Yes, you did. And and uh, you had one of your girlfriends there did the drawings for it. Uh, no, well, not in this case. It was uh, it was a guy that I met through Keith and the Girl did drawings. He uh, this guy from Argentina. Who, uh, Wasn't there somebody that one of those girls you were hanging around with? And no, I don't think I know any girls that are artists. Oh, okay, all right. No, this is uh, the, the the farthest from a girl. <laughs> it's a, a guy from from South America. So whatever happened with the book? Is did you finish it? No. Uh, well, yeah. So the thing is, I finished it, and it's just kind of been kicking around for a little while, and I haven't really done much with it. But uh, I met this guy in Toronto here, who he runs like a video game. Uh, different, like a video game group is how I met him. And it's that that speech that I did a little intro to a little while ago. Was he's the guy that set that up? Anyway, this guy has had books published. He's kind of gone through the whole thing. Like he had his first book published by a real publisher, and he had such a bad experience and he didn't like it. So now he like self publishes. So he's been on both sides of of the equation with all this stuff. Anyway, I'm gonna go have like a meeting with him tonight just to just to ask him like so what what should i do with this thing like how do how does this work who do i talk to what do i who would i send it to what what happens so so that could be kind of cool i don't know just to see just to pick his brain and maybe because it's like just such a weird like i i just i guess that's why i've just been kind of sitting on this thing is because like i would just look up like publishers and stuff and i don't know it's just different websites and it's just a whole big world that i have no idea what to do so how long is this book um, I don't know exactly. Maybe 25 pages. It's probably for like second or third graders. It's kind of hard to tell. Like I thought it was going to be for even younger kids while I was working on it. And then I realized it was kind of too long. So I had to go to the library and look at other books, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think my book would be about like this book, which is for, you know, eight or nine year olds type of thing. And is it, is it the, is, is okay, obviously the kind of book that it, you need it so they could read it themselves, right? Like, is it is it a is it a book that someone would read to a child, or is it a book that a child would read to himself? Yeah, I think it's one that they would read to themselves. Like that was again like my first thought in my mind was like those picture books that are just like a you know lots of art with a little bit of writing, and then I realized that this thing was longer than that, and like that's where I looked up other formats. So really, I guess it would be more like it's like a little book with some drawings, you know? <laughs> like it's more. It's like a short little book with occasional art. 
where okay so as opposed to the, the pictures with the occasional words yeah so even uh, so this guy from Argentina like he's only he did one like finished piece of art that is super awesome and then he just had a couple other little sketches and stuff but like he is an actual artist with work to do and busyness so he's like that's all I got for now if something happens with it let me know so uh, really even even with just that like like that's where I was thinking like that could be something like if that piece of cool art was the cover and then the book was just a book like you know worst case scenario that could be fine it would be neat if it had more drawings but it doesn't really need them so that's where like I kind of have everything that I need if I was gonna just like put it out as like a web thing like just put it out online but I don't know I guess I should like try to send it to publishers first just in case like so I'm, I'm hoping this guy's name is Jim. I'm hoping Jim knows somebody or has some kind of, like, try this first or something. I don't know. Yeah. You hear all those stories, though, in the past about how people who did writing, like, thousands and thousands of manuscripts get sent to people, and I don't know how that one that gets picked gets picked. Yeah, and there's all these stories like how Harry Potter got rejected a ton of times. And I mean, that was Harry Potter, for God's sake. Except, <laughs> check that. except that's why that first book of Harry Potter's is better yeah. than the others. The others are, the second and third ones aren't bad, but that first one is an astounding book. Yeah. Well done. And that's because she kept going back and working on it and working on it and fine-tuning it and um, tightening it up. Uh, whereas the others, I, I don't find they're as good. Yeah, no, especially by but number four with that the first one that was like 800 pages. Yeah, that was silly. That's yeah, well, silly. see, then she's moving into just the storyline by that time. Yeah. But in that first book, she's got character development. She's got good interaction between uh, people. She's got a whole lot of innuendo in there. Um, n- number one to me was a, a, a real. I recommend that one to anybody. Number two, number three, I, I found they were falling apart. I, I finished, I didn't read number four. Yeah. I don't I, even know if I finished number three. I might have, but I don't remember it if I did. Three was cool because it had, it was the one where Hermione had the uh, charm so she could double up her time. So she was going to all the classes at once. And then that turns into a little time travel trickery at the end that worked into the plot. That was pretty cool. But, but, but yeah. As far, but the interaction of the people and the character development... Is I, I found it was it, it it started falling apart. I mean the way she describes like that uncle and aunt in the first <laughs> in the first book, like I mean they are just priceless. Well, that's what's weird too is like Harry Potter is kind of a, a weird example in a way of that same thing of like kid stuff and grown up stuff is that they kept getting like as the kids grew up the stories kept kind of getting more and more like less fun and less kid-like and more mature quote-unquote but really the, by the end that just meant that they were a drag <laughs> you know yeah. it was like by the end like I didn't read all the books I only followed through with the movies but by the final movie it's like Harry and uh, Hermione are like on the run and living in the woods and like terrified of Voldemort and I'm like this isn't fun <laughs> what the fuck is this <laughs> I mean there were some parts in that first book that I, I mean I laughed right out loud I was by myself reading it and to me that's a sign of a good book when there's nobody around and something just strikes your fancy so much that you laugh out loud <laughs> yeah and again I, I think really that it was a kid's thing helps too like it just puts you in that different mindset 
and you're kind of thinking of it like that, like as though you were a kid reading it, except you would never get the reference if you were a kid, and yeah, it just really makes it cool. <laughs> there was a thing too that I've, I've noticed too that uh, I kind of forgot about, that I kind of respect about kids' books or young adult books. I noticed this when I read uh, the Hunger Games book. The first Hunger Games book is really good, and then they get much, much worse. But one thing that it does that I forgot about that every kid's book does is the cliffhanger endings. Like whenever you're at the end of a chapter, something crazy happens and you're like, what the? Like, I have to read the next chapter. Yep. And I guess it's because, uh, you know, kids need that or they'll stop reading. <laughs> Where grown-up books, you know, they're just presumed that you'll read the whole thing. But there's a real skill in that, like coming up with something that is like a crazy cliffhanger and then having a way to explain it. Like, I remember in the second Harry Potter book, it was all about the Chamber of Secrets, and they reveal in a flashback that it was Hagrid when he was uh, in school, was the guy that opened the Chamber of Secrets, and you're like, what the, what? <laughs> like, I have to keep reading, like, that's insane. And, uh, yeah, I kind of think that's neat. Like, I think grown-up books would do well to kind of try to, like, work that sort of stuff in so they weren't just so boring and aimless. And, and that's that's the, the way that movies on TV, or not movies, but the TV series, right. used to end on a real high note. And there wasn't anything you could do about it, because you couldn't flip ahead to another channel or whatever and find out what was going to happen. You had to wait the week to find out what happened. Whereas now, oh, you can move around your channels enough and find out what happened. like that. So that suspense is gone. It was like when you were a kid, when I was a kid anyway, when... And, and I used to read to you guys a lot, so occasionally we'd get these. But I can remember my father reading to us when we were kids. And he'd get to the high point, and he'd just stop. <laughs> right. It was the end of a chapter, and we'd say, oh, my God, you know, we'd be freaking out to read more. And, no, no, I get to wait till tomorrow night for that. <laughs> and you'd have to go to bed, like, in such a, such a state of anxiety. Like, oh, my God, like, what happened? And then you'd dream about it, because you'd be dreaming about these things that... Well, how is it going to happen? That's one thing, too, I think. Uh, me and Brad were talking about this recently because he just watches TV, so much TV, so much. He just never stops. And, and I'm going the other way where I just find so many shows just so boring and I just don't know what the point is. And, uh, and I think that's one thing is that, uh, like, like, when you think back to, like, what the, the, the reason for, for stories way back, like, say, you know, going back to, like, the Iroquois Indian thing or whatever, like, they told stories to like inspire people or to give them some kind of like thing to get them through the next day or some reason to feel cool about themselves or their tribe or whatever and kids books still kind of do that where they or like stuff like the hunger games i mean it's like yeah i gotta fight against this oppression and fight against whatever's happening where stuff for grown-ups i just find it so bland and so aimless and so pointless and it's like would it kill you to like, I don't know, like, I just don't know what the point of it is. Like, I feel like everyone's kind of lost the thread of why they even pay attention to storytelling. And they're just filling the time, just filling the days with this shit that doesn't mean anything. And I just don't, I don't get it. Whereas I think maybe that's what kind of, like, draws me toward sillier stuff, like wrestling or Ayn Rand books, like these really black and white kind of almost childish things, but at least they're about something, you know? <laughs> like, they have a message, they have a point. Like, uh, one show I've really been liking lately, it's called My Mad Fat Diary. It's this British show, and it's based on this girl's real diaries from when she was committed as a teenager, and then when she gets released back out to her friends, and, like, so it's all about that, and, like, her therapist is a, a character in the show, 
And I just love that it's about a thing that matters, <laughs> you know, that is something. And like that seems so hard to find in, in TV shows. They're mostly just, I just, I'm just watching them. What's it called? My Mad Mad Diary? My Mad Fat Diary, yeah. Because oh, it's mad, about this like diary. overweight girl who uh, was like, you know, cutting herself and like has a sort of mental breakdown. And, and the show starts with like her first day back in her hometown. And it's still, at the end of the day, it's still just basically a teen show with all those same tropes and, you know, hanging out with boys and blah, blah, blah. But, but there's this underlying, you know, like deeper thing going on that, you know, might, I don't know, just like, if nothing else, like just kind of, if you watch it, you're like, maybe it's okay if I'm a big crazy person, <laughs> you know, or whatever, like it's not the end of the world, or like you can talk about it or whatever. Whereas other stuff, like, I don't know, Game of Thrones, I guess is a big one. Everyone watches Game of Thrones. And I watched like three episodes of Game of Thrones and I'm like, this show is, couldn't be about less if they tried. It's yeah, about I, nothing. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, Barb, you should watch Game of Thrones, but I haven't, uh, no, hasn't, hasn't caught my interest. And it's whole, it's whole big claim to fame is like no character is sacred and people just die all the time. But that really adds to the pointlessness. It's like everybody from season one, by the time you get to season four, they're all dead. <laughs> so it's like, what even was this? <laughs> it's just like this weird shock of like, oh my God. But how long does that shock last? If everyone dies, like that's not even a shock anymore. Yeah, I don't know. There must be something to it, I guess, but I just don't see it. I just don't understand. You know, the first show that I really felt that way about was The Sopranos, where everybody loved the sopranos and i watched like half a season and i'm like dude this is aggressively about nothing like it is so slow paced and so slice of life and just so like what the fuck man <laughs> like there's obviously just something other people get out of tv shows that i yeah, just that never caught my fancy either i watched one of those shows and it it never it didn't interest me yeah so anyway i'm hoping though that hopefully uh something will I'd get some cool info or somewhere to some path to follow with this kids book thing because like well that's one thing that's weird too is like uh how like like there's no clear route for for artistic type stuff like you always hear about you know like the the really good books that don't get picked up by publishers just who knows why and uh or on the other side there are now a few stories of people that have put out kids books specifically but any kind of book online as just a website just for free that then gain momentum and then later get published as a real book and uh so yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> well one thing you gotta have is something that's a catchy title like that walter the farting dog yeah people always bring that up especially because my book in particular is a little bit like that i guess because it's about a girl who represses all of her feelings so much that uh her laughs have to get out of her body so they start coming out of her butt <laughs> so people compare them a lot and it's like yeah but i just don't think it's the same i feel like walter the farting dog i just uh, that's not my style at all it's just <laughs> no but that title is what catch i i think that's what catches that book yeah i mean somebody dared put farting on the front of a book <laughs> and and you sit up and take notice yeah so, um, and I don't even know what the content is of Walter the Farting Dog. Never read any of them. I mean, I but guess the, I can make an educated guess. <laughs> but the know. title catches people's interest, especially kids who right. are supposed to be, you know, oh my God, you're not supposed to talk about, you call them everything like toots and everything else. You don't call it a fart. And here is some guy, a book that actually has 
fart on the front of it. Well, that immediately draws kids because it's kind of like, ooh, that's a faux pas. Man, uh, um, Joel's kids do have a book that's about, uh, it's like such a weird book. I don't really know who like had the idea for this, but it's just about different animals and what their poop looks like. And it's got like those little pull tabs, you know, like a pop-up book, but like you pull the tab. It's like, it starts with this mole and somebody poops on him, like poops on his head. And he's going around to the different animals to try to figure out who pooped on his head. And they're like, well, it can't be me because my poop's in a pellet form. And it can't be me because my poop's white because I'm a bird. <laughs> and it just teaches you about <laughs> And I bet different... they love that book. <laughs> yeah, and it teaches you about different kinds of poop. And, and like, because I guess, it's about poop. I guess and why poop not? is kind of like something you're not supposed to talk about. And yeah. yet, here's a book all about it. Like. Yeah, that's, that's definitely kind of weird. But I guess, I guess it has its place. <laughs> it's like, all right. So does your book have a title? Yeah, but my, it's literally just called The Laughs. I don't have a clever title. Because I don't know, we tried to come up with stuff because, you know, it's like for this girl laughing from her butt, stuff like crack a joke because of like a butt crack. <laughs> like, I don't know, these like, these clever titles weren't working for me. So yeah, it's just called The Laughs. The Laughs. Yeah, somehow you got to get the butt in there though because I would do it. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Well, that's half the battle is getting, getting it to, just so that people say, oh, what is that? That is true. I mean, yeah, there's so many times, like, just because of the cover of something, like, yeah, that I'll, like, pick it up and browse through, and, yeah, like, it's true, that first step, like, you got to have that first reason for someone to pay attention, or, yeah, it can't go any further from there. Yeah, because there's hundreds of thousands of books out there for kids. So, yeah, you got to have something like Walter the Farting Dog. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> but see, but, but, I, but I, I don't know. See, I guess my thinking is if you have, like, if you do have a cool, clever title you can come up with, that's great. And if not, I guess I, I default to just something standard and try to hope for something else, like the, the picture or something to draw someone. Because, like, to me, like, Walter the Farting Dog, like, no. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough money to put out a book called Walter the Farting Dog. Like, I just think that's really lame. It's not my thing at all. So, I don't know. Isn't that guy from Fredericton? Isn't that how I know about him? Um. I think he's somewhere localish. Uh, uh, you know, maybe he is. Maybe he was around here. I know because there was there was an article on him or an interview with him one morning on uh, CBC Radio. Uh, you know, he might be. And it would be cool too because um, I didn't really stick with this so much. But last winter, when everything was all dark and miserable, I went through a really good, uh, really good stint of getting up every day and going to uh, a coffee shop just so I could sit by a window and not have everything be all dark and depressing. And uh, I did like a lot of writing, like a lot of stuff that I didn't quite finish. But it'd be cool if I got anything off the ground with this first little kids book because I got a bunch of other ideas for weird kids books. Like I've got one half done about it's like a kid from uh, a slightly different dimension or whatever that has a different Santa Claus than us and the two Santas end up fighting. <laughs> it's like Santa versus Santa. So that's, see, that's a good name. That's a much better name. Yeah, Santa versus Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't happen to have a, a good name for this first one. But, but it's oh, nice yeah, to I know, just... But, uh, it's a good, but it's a good subject matter, so there must be some kind of a catchy... Yeah, I figured, too, that would be the kind of thing, too, if I had just got this in front of somebody and they, like, you know, some kind of editor, then they can pitch me all kinds of whatever changes, and I'd be like, you got it, you got it, pal, <laughs> whatever you think, I'll go with what you think, because that's fine. And it's nice, too, just to have something finished, because, like, I actually had this idea. Maybe that's where um, the wires get crossed about the girlfriend thing, because it was me and Erica had this idea, 
way back in. Okay, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true, actually. Now that you mention, yeah, I think she was going to do drawings for it or whatever. Yeah, but that was like so long ago. It was 10 years ago or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's a... Now, listen, now, why does this uh, this child have to laugh out of her butt as opposed to her mouth? Oh, it's because her dog died. And uh, instead of, like, crying about it and, like, expressing her feelings, she just bottled them up, and they just bottled up and bottled up and bottled up. So then... Since, they needed an escape hatch. Yeah, since laughter is the... There's a lot of science behind this. Since laughter is the most powerful emotion, it's the first one to escape. <laughs> like, it's the one that's hardest to contain. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so that still doesn't explain why it didn't come out through the top half instead of the lower half. Uh, well, I don't know, just because she's, uh, she's, she's like, repressing. She's just not... Oh, she was still know. trying to repress it. Yeah, but she... And you, just escaped. Yeah, you wouldn't think to try to repress your laughs from your butt, because, like... You know, why would you? <laughs> it's not where laughs come from. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. That, and then basically it's just her and this other kid from her school. Um, yeah, like they just, uh, they just do different stuff and finally figure out what's going on and have a little adventure. And, and what is the adventure? Doing funny stuff so they can continually laugh out of their backsides? Yeah, no, it's uh, to, uh, to like reroute her laughs back to normal because uh, there's like a, a legend that uh, if... If you don't fix the butt laughs in time, it changes your whole face into a butt. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so opposed to Walter the Farting Dog. It really is only half a step away. <laughs> but, but it's like, yeah, like, so, you know, they have to figure out what to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, just, a bunch of, just a bunch of dumb stuff that they do. <laughs> That's it. I don't know. Is it is it anywhere where a person could read it, or is it just on paper. Uh, oh, I mean, no, I can send it to you. I've got it as like a little yeah, a PDF file that it just load up. Yeah, I can email it to you if you want. Give yeah, it email to me and I'll read it. Who knows? Maybe I'll come up with a title. Yeah, couldn't hurt. Yeah, because I remember we had a couple of titles. I wonder if I've got that in my phone. Let me just check. Because I've got all the notes for it on my phone that I always have with me. But I just didn't like the, uh, the jokey titles. Oh, I still have my first draft on here. Okay, yeah, so the original title was just Crack a Joke or The Girl Who Laughed From Her Butt. <laughs> so again, very, very on the nose. And then, then The Laughs was the one I just went with in the end. But, okay, yeah. the first one was Crack a Joke or... Yeah, it was going to be kind of like, you know, how it was like The Hobbit or There and Back Again, like how it has oh, yeah. two oh, titles, yeah. so yeah. it's going to be like Crack a Joke or The Girl Who Laughed From Her Butt. Crack a Joke, yeah, that's awesome. But what about, just what about The Laugh or The Girl Who Laughed From Her Butt? Yeah, I'm trying to imagine, though, because it seems like, too, like a lot of this stuff, uh, now that I've spent more time at the library with uh, Joel's kids and stuff, like, it, it seems like the kids' book market really is like libraries, <laughs> like you just want it to be in a library. And I kind of can't really envision a book called The Girl Who Laughed From Her Butt being in the library. I don't know. Again, I mean, this is all stuff like it would be cool if I could get in touch with any publisher type people if they were interested at all because they would actually know this stuff. Like, I'm just, like, that's where I figure, like, it's fine for now. Like, I don't want to try to overthink it or go too many steps down the road because I really have no idea. I don't know how these markets work. I don't know uh, anything <laughs> about it, so... So somebody who does this stuff for a living could easily be like, yeah, either either one or the other. Like either, like, the word "but" you can't put that in a title, or on the other hand, maybe it'd be like you need a you need the word "but" in your title because the laughs is too boring. 
you know, like somebody who knows better than me can make these choices. The laughing butt. <laughs> yeah. The laughing earth. <laughs> yeah, that would be the British version. <laughs> like how, uh, did you hear about Harry Potter? Like, it's called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone everywhere except America. In America, they changed the name to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because they were like, eh, American kids are too, like, they're, they're dummies. They don't, they, they don't want the word philosophy in there. They won't want to read it. <laughs> so, <laughs> God. Yeah. So, I mean, through the movies and everything, like, it's called Philosopher's Stone everywhere except America. So how far do you have to go to meet this guy tonight? Oh, he lives on the train line, so it's not, it's not so bad. Just a ways. Man, the other thing is another guy I met through that uh, same organization. It's like the other side where he's like a videographer and he does really great documentaries and he's working on... Uh, that's how we all met, I guess, is they were doing a TV show for Bell TV about the Toronto video game scene. So he asked me to just consult or like pitch ideas or whatever. So this one guy who does video stuff, he quit his day job and now he does freelance video stuff all the time and we had this idea to do a documentary about the old video game Battletoads but but it's just uh, like I don't know I've been kind of putting off meeting with him because I feel like next time we debrief I'm just gonna have to kind of pull the plug on it because just two people working on a documentary by ourselves like I just can't do it I just don't have that kind of motivation like I just it's just been like six months that we've just been not really working on it because it just needs to be self-motivated and I just can't I just can't do it <laughs> like I just don't care enough to do all this research and contact people and everything by myself if it was like a, a group of people working on it that would be cool but it's not so I don't know I think I just gotta eventually just face up to the fact that it's like like this is never gonna happen why why keep pretending it's gonna happen <laughs> like if, I, if I've got to be the motive force behind this thing it's not going to happen. Well, at least you know yourself. You know you know your limitations. Yeah. Yeah, well, I also kind of realized, too, like... Because the idea would be... Because it was this game everyone remembers from... came out in 1991 or two. And everyone remembers it because it was a really popular, famous game. It was like a ripoff of Ninja Turtles, basically. The Battletoads. But it was incredibly hard. So everyone has these memories of this game. And it, it, it's famous because it was so hard. So our idea was to try to track down the people who made it. It was a British game. I guess the guy who ran the company that made it, he's so rich now, he lives in a big, like, mansion, castle place or whatever. But I realized, like, I don't, I don't actually care. Like, I've seen so many documentaries about video games. Like, I, I know what the story's going to be before it even gets told. It's just like, I don't know, we're a bunch of nerds. We had a video game company. We made a game. It was way too hard. Who cares? <laughs> like, like, to me, what's interesting is everyone's memories of that game. Like, that's really the kind of movie I would want to make is, like, everyone just telling the story of where were you in your life when you played this game? Like, how did you find out about it? Like, whatever. And how successful were you in accomplishing it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, weird because it's the same story every time. Everyone has the same story. They got Battletoads from somewhere, they got to level three, no one could beat it. That's my story, that's everyone's story. So even though that's very limited, but I just think within that one little story, like I think that's interesting of just like uh, memories of the early 90s and of being a kid in that era, like from that one little prism, you just get all the little different situations and different life situations people are in. That's really what I would want to do. 
but he really wants to do the like let's actually track down the people that made it and interview them and blah 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 and, and yeah I think I've just just kind of accepted like I just I just don't give a fuck about that I just don't care <laughs> like I don't see how that could ever be really that interesting well it could be a combination of showing how those guys developed it why they developed it the way they did and then um, going on to show people who played it there must have been some people who just kept at it and at it and at it until they finally got it. Oh, yeah, there's people on YouTube that can beat it without getting hit. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just sick. <laughs> and then part of the story could be those people who gave up. Like... Well, I also think it's weird, though, because we're just kind of in the age of the documentary now. Like, between Netflix and YouTube, like, you can find so many documentaries about so many things that... Uh, that, uh, yeah, that whole format has just gotten really stale to me. It's like, if it's just a bunch of talking heads blabbing about something, it's like it's been done a thousand times, and, it, and this is not a particularly, <laughs> you know, it's fucking Battletoads, for God's sake. You know, it's not like, it's not about anything. Was it the kind of thing that people only did when they were kids, or did people go back to it when they were adults? Yeah. They could. No, I think that's what makes it in some ways like such a perfect little vessel for nostalgia is that it's one of those games, like it's like a lightning rod. Like when you mention Battletoads to someone, it brings them right back to being like 10 years old and how stupid hard that game was because they forgot about it ever since. They've never really made more Battletoads games. It all just disappeared. And yeah, and like nobody could ever beat it. And it, so it's like... It's like similar to like a Super Mario game or something, except Mario just kept going and is like Mickey Mouse now, and it's just new generations play Mario, where Battletoads really is just like trapped in amber. It's this one little moment in time where everybody, for some reason, this one game was a huge success and everyone owned it, and it was so cruel and hard, <laughs> just like unreasonably difficult. But again, I kind of feel like that's the story. I just told you the whole story about it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I don't know how much meat is on those bones. Like, we got so excited about it that one night just because cause it does give, for people our age, that one little, like, that, that tunnel back into being a kid again. But I don't know where to go from there. Just make a boring documentary. I just, I don't know. I don't care about that. But I've been putting it off because, I don't know, it's hard to... It's hard to like, tell the guy, like, I don't really want to do this. I just don't care. I wish we could do something else. I like to hang out with you and do things, but I just don't care about this enough. Well, you could just tell him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I will, I guess. <laughs> <It's> just. <laughs> and then maybe he might, uh, if, he, if he heard your reasons for why you think this other thing might be more interesting, maybe he'll move in that direction. Yeah, I guess that's another thing, too, though. I mean, maybe it's just in general, too, with my sort of predilections in life in general is is because I've had this really like great opportunity to try this artist life you know like with you guys covering my rent and not having to get a job and like I really can just spend time you know working on what I am interested in working in on but but I think like this it's coming to an end of how much I like this, you know, <laughs> like, like stuff like that XO podcast and it gets big write-ups and people like it and that's great. But the reality is I'm just like by myself all day, just like toiling away at things. And it's like, it's, 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 uh, it's not that fun. Like I want to be a part of a group more or like I want to be involved in a, uh, something with people, you know, like I think 
Like, cause it's like this, this dream that people have when they have to work all day. And they're like, man, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to work all day and I could just like be a writer or be a whatever and make all my own stuff. So, I mean, I got a good chunk of time to really give this a try. <laughs> and and uh, I just think it's not as good as people think it would be as it's just really isolated and weird. And, and uh, so, yeah, I feel like this Battletoads thing would just be another of that, where most of it would be occasional meetings with this guy, but really just me on my computer researching this stuff and trying to contact people. And I just... I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to just be by myself all day working on shit. Like, I did it. I did the best I could. I did the best things that I could, and they reached whatever little mini-fame they were going to reach, and I think now it's time to do something else. So, like, that's where if I could talk to some publisher or something and, like, collaborate and, like, yeah, you tell me. Tell me what you think. <laughs> what should we do? Like, yeah, doing stuff on your own, it's, uh, it's hard and not that fun. Well, uh, at least you, you you gave it your shot, and you will always hear people say, "Oh, you're lucky. Uh, you know, you had all that opportunity." I've said that to you many times. I'd yeah. love to have been able to have done that in my life, but but only for a while. Yeah, and that's the great thing is like if one of these things really caught on, like say that podcast had gotten me some kind of radio job or something, which it didn't, but or this book, if this book thing goes somewhere, you know, it's because I had all this time that I was able to write it, like. Yeah, like, I'm sure something is going to come of this time, and one of these things is going to spark. But as a, like, sustainable way to live, like, it's really not. It's it's just, yeah, com- community is a lot more important than I gave it credit for. I think, too, like, once, uh, I mean, it was really getting to be not fun working with the Keith and the Girl people anymore. Like, that situation just got more and more stressful and weird and uh, and unbalanced you know because they have all the power and i had none of the power and anytime there was any kind of a dust up they could just run me down on their show and i can't do anything like really miserable but but the group part of it was nice so i think maybe that too like what was it now three years ago i guess that i kind of cut ties with them so this has been like the full-on like it's just me it's just me by myself working on stuff and yeah, I think this has been enough time to realize, like, okay, I got to find another group or something because this is, this is kind of sucky. Well, you were kind of moving in that direction when you were home here the last time because that's when I said you should check out some stuff at the university. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing too is it's even I think more productive to work with people on stuff. Like it's so hard to be self-motivated every day, you know? <laughs> like just every day I got to wake up and. And I got to go to a coffee shop and work on my writing or whatever, like just by myself. Yeah, it's really tough. And I mean, uh, additionally, it would be nice at some point in my adult life to pay my own rent again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's always in the back of my mind. Like, like those are. That's one reason I think Vancouver really. Like, I have so many good memories of it. Is even though I had to work two jobs at once and I was just slaving away and like that part of it kind of sucked. But there is obviously a very nice feeling about you know, being self-sustaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, no uh, question about that. Yeah. That's why I get up every day and go to work. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's the, like, I just, yeah, I'm just, I've been, I feel like I'm getting close, but yeah, I just haven't quite jumped that gap of, like, I just, I just would, I would like to be more involved in something. I just don't want it to be working at a grocery store. Like, I just don't want to back slide all the way back to just like that really feels like a waste of time that's where i've got to i was i really got to get back on this but my my idea was to 
start volunteering places. And my first step was to volunteer with Joel's kids, and then I never really got beyond that. But I really think I should try to get back on that wavelength of like just trying different stuff and seeing what it's like. Because at least if I'm going to spend you know, all my time working somewhere, like I just, they, like those old jobs I used to have, like working at a movie theater, working at a coffee shop, working at a bookstore, it's just, it just doesn't do anything for anybody. <laughs> like I just don't know why. Why would I want to spend my time doing that? So even if I just end up with a normal sort of job, like there's still plenty of jobs that have some kind of value, you know. Well, good luck in finding them. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, too, is, like, it's not like I need a lot of money. I don't have, like, rich tastes or anything. Like, yeah, I just, I just, just want to find something that isn't just... Like, I don't want to do a job that a robot could do. Like, Starbucks literally invented coffee-making barista robots, like, ten years ago. And they worked, and they were fine. But people found it, you know, they just didn't like it. They liked the personal personableness of having someone make your coffee but I don't want to spend my time doing a job a robot could and should do you know like surely I can do something a little more valuable I don't know I'm sure you can it's just a matter of finding what it is yeah and I guess there's something to be said for that too is like you know like uh, I mean like when I moved to Vancouver I just I basically, I guess I just didn't, I didn't realize that you guys would just pay my rent. <laughs> and maybe that was better, you know, because then it forced me to have to do stuff. And I guess it would be the same thing now. It's like if I really had no other choice, like then I would have to find something just because I would not be able to pay rent otherwise. And you'd probably have to find something pretty menial. Yeah, so that's where it's like similar, where it's like similar to trying to be motivated to just work on you know, whatever creative type stuff, it's a similar type of thing as trying to be self-motivated to go find a job. Like, it's just tough. It's just weird. Weird kind of weird place to be in in life. <laughs> it really is like a super unique kind of situation, like really lucky kind of thing to be in. Like, these are good problems to have, but they're also weird because nobody else, nobody else has this particular situation. I don't even know like who to look to for guidance like anybody I know is just like like I don't want to hear about it buddy like I have to go to work every day (laughs) well yeah and they're looking at you saying geez he's got it made in shade yeah so anyway yeah I don't know but whatever happens with uh talking to Jim tonight about this book thing right whether he has any direct advice or not like I really do think like yeah I'll really buckle down on this and try to even if it does just come down to picking random publishers and mailing them stuff and just see if that goes anywhere and then if not go from there like uh the scholastic offices are downtown here in toronto like there's the big clifford the red dog like on the side of the building like i walk by it all the time but if you look up like their online stuff you know they're like no no submissions like we get too many submissions get out of here so that's where it would be really great to just to you know, like to know somebody to circumvent that situation, and I, I well, that you know what, that's the reality in life. If you, for most most like jobs that you get, successes that you have, usually it's somebody who knows somebody who gives a little nudge. Right. And if you don't know anybody, it's tough, real tough. Because yeah, that was weird too. Like just looking up stuff online, like like Scholastic say. 
even though there's a Scholastic office right here in Toronto, the only branch of Scholastic that has an open submission policy is Scholastic Australia, of all weird places. And it's like, so you send your thing to the Australian branch, and if they like it and they publish it, then the other branches around the world pick it up and publish in their respective, you know, uh, territories. It's ever weird. Yeah, it is really weird, right? And that's where I feel like, like this is the, the most information I can glean just from looking up stuff myself with Google. So surely, like that just seems so weird. Like that's where, I think that's where I kind of just spun my wheels with this is like, surely I can find someone that has more of an inside track about how this stuff really works. Cause sending my, because a guy from Canada and a guy from Argentina sending their book to Australia, like maybe, <laughs> but it seems and pretty weird. when there's a scholastic office just down the street. Yeah. But again, yeah, I guess it really is also, again, like I can understand why they're just like, please don't send us stuff because I'm sure they get, you know, just hundreds of these things all the time that they got to dig through. So like it almost seemed like it was better, better to sit on it for a little bit and try to figure out how to approach this instead of just, you know, tossing it in the slush pile. But yeah, I, I figure though I've been, I've been dragging my heels long enough. So we'll see how things go with, with old Jim and uh, whatever advice he's got. But regardless, I'll start start doing something even if it is just sending it to Australia <laughs> after this and just see what happens because I even think that might be neat like even just if I start getting rejection letters like at least I, I did it <laughs> you know? at least I did that yeah I suppose it's better than having it stashed under your bed or in a closet or wherever you keep this stuff yeah and then I could have that classic story afterward if it ever got published or something just like <laughs> me out my rejections <laughs> yeah that's weird too though is like there is always those little stories of uh in the kids book world in particular it's this book called go the fuck to sleep <laughs> that that uh somebody just put out online as a as a book as a joke you know thing and then it got published as a real book because parents thought it was funny and uh you know and there's a version you can read to your kids where they take out the swear word of course but you know it's like a nice little rhyming book that each rhyme always ends with now go the fuck to sleep but uh but there's also there's this book uh I can't remember what it's called, but it's about a um, a guy who gets trapped on Mars. Like this is a real book, like a you know adult book, and he put out the book for free on his website, and it got enough popularity that Amazon asked him if he would put it on their store as like a ninety nine cent ebook, and and it's like this weird like backward trajectory where once it was ninety nine cents on Amazon, it sold more copies than it sold for free just because uh like this weird thing on since everything's free on the internet sometimes if something if they charge money for something it seems more legitimate and then from there it got published as a real book and now there's a movie coming out from it and it's just this thing this guy put on his website so like worst case scenario you always hear these stories especially with kids books of people that like self-publish books and put themselves thousands of dollars in debt and have a trunk full of books that they can't get rid of and it's just like a terrible idea but just putting something online doesn't seem so bad because, like, there's nothing to lose, really. Like, yeah. it doesn't cost anything, and publishers are comfortable with that now. Like, the fact that it was once free doesn't matter because, you know, it's still, you can still put it in a bookstore and then people will buy it, and it doesn't matter that it's on a website somewhere. Like, different, different, uh, you know, situations just work differently. 
Like you know, the fact that something's free one place and costs money somewhere else it just doesn't matter anymore, which is just like really weird, <laughs> really weird times that we're in. Yeah, it's almost like though if you get it for free, then it's uh, yeah, as you say, it's not not only is it not legit, it's no good. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, just it is really like that is really happening a lot now because the just the endlessness of the internet, like. Like, the fact that there's, like, six, so many podcasts. Like, if I charged a dollar an episode for my podcast, maybe people would, like, pay more attention. It seems weird, but, but like, just because then it's like, oh, I should pay attention to this. This is a valuable thing. It's not just free, <laughs> you know? But then, on the other hand, if it's free, there's so much more potential for people to notice it and not to have it, like, guarded off by this little money wall. So it's all... It's all a big mess. <laughs> like, who knows? Who knows anything? See, that'll be interesting, too. I'm really curious, actually, to talk to Jim tonight because the fact that he got his first novel published by a real publisher and had a bad time, so he self-published from then on, and he's been doing that ever since, and it works out fine for him because he has a bit of a name. Like, I don't know, but I feel like with kids' books, like it, publishers really do just make more sense. I mean, like, to get them into the Scholastic Book Club and the libraries and stuff. I feel like publishing, the traditional publishing still seems like it really makes sense for kids' books, more so than other books. Yeah, but there, there's probably going to be a... Kids have such access to the internet, yeah. computers, everything now, like, more so than anybody ever did. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe that's the way to go. But anyway, you should definitely go talk to this guy and see what he's got to say and if he can give you any ideas. And he may come up and tell you that, no, going through that whole publishing scene is, is old hat. Yeah. Passe, because it may be. And again, I guess that's true. Like, if, if I got it set up as, like, a, a nice website and I got, like, a little more art from the guy and it was just, like... Like, you could make a little website where you just press left or right to turn pages or whatever... And yeah, like, I guess if it did catch on at all and kids like it and go to it and read it a lot, then yeah, like maybe that would work where it's like, well, now I would like to have the book version of this. <laughs> like, even though it's on this website, like, I'll order the book too, or the parents will order the book. Like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely I'll email you the thing so you can give it a gander. See yeah, if you got any, a little read of it. Any ideas about it? Anyway, okay. this has been a pretty rambly episode, but I guess... Uh, <laughs> yes, it is, and it's been for over an hour, so... Yeah, I don't know, but again, I don't know, whoever's listening to this, like, they seem to seem to dig it, so that's cool. I'm, it still amazes me that anybody bothers to listen to it. Yeah, and, like, who knows, who literally... Like, I have no idea, because I, I think I mentioned, but, like, I don't have... I used to have analytics on my website of how many people downloaded stuff, and uh, I just don't bother anymore. I'm a lot happier since I turned it off, because... Yeah, like, I still get comments once in a while. Like, people, like, I told you, the guy who started watching the, uh, the, the crown, the jewel in the crown, what was it called? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, if nothing else, like, one person is definitely listening. <laughs> so, I mean, and again, too, like, even if literally no one was listening, like, I have enough of a little online presence that, I mean, some people are listening. But even if nobody did, like, I love doing different weird podcasts with people just as an excuse to to talk to people you know like I mean there's just again like with the motivation thing to I mean to motivate myself to call home is just I just don't do it you know like do you remember there was one time when I was in Vancouver I it was pretty I guess I'd pretty much just gotten there I don't know 
but I think it was like one of the only times that that you called uh, me because I had like a prepaid cell phone, so I didn't really use it much because the rates were so bad. Because you were just like, hey, like, are you alive? <laughs> like, what's going on? It's been like two and a half months. <laughs> well, but but that's part of uh, our upbringing, yours and mine both. Uh, like I go places and I, I don't even tell people where I'm going right. like I'm going off for a weekend I might say well I'm going off to I might say the, the vicinity of where I'm going but I don't report in I'm at such and such a hotel like most of these women that I hang around with when I go off for the weekend with them as soon as we get there they've all got to phone their husbands and tell them I arrived here's where I am here's when I'm leaving I never bother like you know you'll see me when you see me kind of deal right um so much more relaxed than, you know, oh, I've got to call home and I've got to check in, and no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I guess because like, I definitely, like, naturally have that sort of inclination, too, but I think I am trying to, just trying to pull the ship the other way a little more. Like, take, I don't know, like today, for instance, if I didn't come over here and call you, I don't know what I would have done. I just got to kill time till I'm meeting Jim, so I probably just would have... Who knows? Who, who knows what it would have done? Probably nothing. So, like, it's nice to, it's nice to, you know, add in a little more of this type. And besides, of well, this works quite well if you, if you know when, approximately when, like when I know you're going to call on Monday night. Like I'll hang around. Right. Whereas if a person doesn't know what the person's going to call, and you, maybe you're trying to call me, or I'm trying to call you, or maybe I call you and you're busy, you're doing something. Um, you know, it's. You, you kind of think it, it's an imposition. Yeah, but uh, if you're sort of planning it anyway, you say, well, you know, we're just going to have a, a banter here on Monday evenings. Um, it's no imposition at all. That's true, too. Yeah, it does kind of help to formalize it a little because, like, yeah, there have been times when it'll just be like a string of two or three calls home in a row where just nobody's home and I just get an answering machine. So, yeah, that tends to stretch things out because if, if I'm only calling every three weeks or so anyway, suddenly it's been a month and a half or whatever, like, yeah. Can, that happens once in a while just because the timing just doesn't work out because it's all just so random. Yeah, it's nice too. Like, uh, like I started doing this wrestling podcast with this guy Jason from Halifax, and uh, and like because he's kind of jazzed about doing a podcast, and I've done like 500 podcasts, so I just you know I don't care anymore. But but uh, but he's still like in those early stages of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if our podcast got popular? And like, I wonder how many people listen, and then and but. I don't, I don't care at all. Like, I just, it's just like, just so we can watch wrestling. Like, it really is just that extra little reason. It's like, hey, we should get together and watch some wrestling and, and review it for the podcast. Because otherwise we just wouldn't hang out as much. So, yeah, to me that's really what the, the main value is. And then if there's any kind of a trail behind that of anyone that actually cares or listens, that's like a bonus. There was actually, there's a local wrestler who found our podcast. He, like, sent us a message because we didn't know his name. We went to a local wrestling show, and then we just did a podcast about it, and we didn't know this one guy's name. So he somehow, maybe he was, like, Googling himself. I don't know how he even found it. But he sent us a message and was like, hey, man, this is me, and this is my name. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, right? So, like, you never know, too. Like, that's the thing. Even though I don't really pay attention to how many people are listening or what's going on, like, some people do. It's out there. So, Or, like, man, that, uh, that Boing Boing article about XO. I, uh, like, it linked to a lot of the episodes that I'd put on YouTube, but they don't really get a lot of views on YouTube, and literally the day before that article came out, I was thinking about deleting all the episodes from YouTube, because I'm just like, ah, whatever, I'll just, like, keep it on iTunes or whatever, and then the next day that article came out, and I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> like, you just never know, you just never know what's going to happen. 
Well, you seem to be making a name somewhere because I know if, if I punched it, because I punched in Keith McNally one day, just uh, just punched it in, see what would come up. And it's some guy who runs a restaurant in New York. He's, yeah. the, he, he's the head honcho guy. Yeah, I still get uh, tweets from uh, to, to me sometimes that people think they're tweeting to him on Twitter. But you're right behind him. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and there's occasional other Keith McNally. Sometimes on Facebook, people, just because they have my name, will just, like, friend request me, like some guy from the States or some dude from Ireland, just random different Keith McNally's. But, uh, yeah, the uh, that guy in New York, he, uh, the that girl, Ian, that I dated, her friend, whose name I don't remember anymore, worked at one of his restaurants. So it was weird, because that's how I got introduced. Like, hey, here's my new boyfriend who's got the same name as your boss. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a small world. I never went to one of his restaurants, though. They're like real fancy pants. So I Yeah, you get the impression they're pretty high class and expensive. Yeah, yeah. he's one of those things, too. Like, like I think at, for the Internet at large, I'm probably maybe slightly better known than him, but in New York, like, people know him. He is, like, pretty well known in New York, but not so much outside of there. But his restaurant is not Keith McNally restaurant, is it? No, there's one called Balthazar is the only one I remember. But yeah, he has he has a few, a few like fancy pants Manhattan restaurants. I'm pretty sure. Jeez, is that true? I think also that that Keith McNally. I think his son used to live above this guy Chad that I also knew in Brooklyn. I don't know. I could be getting things mistaken, but yeah, it's a small world. Oh, uh, like, for instance, how about a small world it is, uh, this guy Jim that I'm meeting with tonight, um, Brad had one of his books. Like, I, I just met this guy, again, from the XO podcast. He heard an episode and he liked it, so he invited me to this, this meeting that they had about uh, the TV show. And then, uh, and then I realized at some point, I was like, wait a minute, this is the guy who wrote that book that Brad tried to get me to read, like, you know, back in 2002. It's just so then I texted Brad and was like, "Hey, you remember that guy who wrote that book? I met that guy. I know him now." <laughs> like just weird, right? Just random. Yeah, that is a, that is a small world. The chances of you meeting up with that guy pretty slim. Yeah. Yeah, or even through like that Keith and the Girl stuff. It only happened, I think, three times, but like that I just got recognized because of that podcast and like that podcast nowadays i mean it's just a drop in the bucket everybody has a podcast but so i mean three times isn't many but it's still a weird feeling when you're just at it happened like once in brooklyn and twice here in toronto where it'll just be at something and someone will be like oh i know who you are <laughs> it's like whoa that's weird that's a well weird i deal. think that the, one of the big connections as to why you got picked up with that Keith Malley business was because your name is so similar. Well, I mean, I think that was part of it, but I, I like to think well, it, it was... Well, it was you, yes. You doing whatever you were doing, but <laughs> yeah. it was the name. I mean, uh, somebody's looking at it. I don't know how many people submitted submissions to them, but, you know, all of a sudden you're looking along and your name is Keith Malley and you see a guy, Keith McNally? Yeah, like, that's pretty weird, right? Like, wow. <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you draw right to it saying... Jeez, this guy's name is almost the same as mine. Like, who is this guy? I remember that actually made things weirder at the border. You remember that time I got turned away at the border and then you had to drive me back across a couple yeah. days later? Is, uh, yeah, like, just telling the story. Like, it's like, yeah, my name's Keith McNally and I'm going to New York where I know this guy, Keith Malley. And, like, immediately it seems like I'm putting on a fake mustache or something, but it's like, like, it just sounds made up yeah, and, and weird. And, and, our, and, and who are you, trying to be a smartass here? Yeah, and, like, if I was going to make up a name of some fake person in the States that I supposedly know, why in God's name would I even call him Keith Malley if my name's <laughs> Keith McNally? Like, that'd be the worst lie in the world. 
but yeah, just because it just comes out, it just sounds weird to the ear. So like, it would definitely make people look at me twice. Like, what are you? What is going yeah, on with yeah, this guy? What, what kind of a yarn are you telling us here? Especially those guys get so suspicious about anything. Anyway. And then it was double weird after that house fire that I had because the next couple of times I went to the states, I hadn't gotten a new passport yet, so I had this passport that was singed all around the edges, and I had to keep it in a plastic bag because it smelled like a fire, but it still would scan through the little machine. So they were like, "Man, like, basically the border each time was just like, I don't." Everything about this seems very fishy and weird, but we can't prove it is. So, guess go ahead. <laughs> so weird. Or the, the I think it was the the second to the last time we went there is a. Uh, so my friend Mike was uh, gonna go to the states with me and Matt, and uh, and he had a hotel all set up because of his hotel points and everything, and then he had a problem with his passport. He lost it, so he couldn't go with us. So what me and Matt did instead. Instead of going for four days, we decided we were only going to go for two days, and we brought no bags. So we got to the border, and we just had what was in our pockets. And man, the border guard did not like that at all. They were like, "This is extremely weird." And we were like, "Yeah, well, we're going to New York. We're going to sleep on my friend's floor, and then we're going to come straight back." And he was like, "Dude, like, I I don't want to let you go because this is so weird. But I have no reason to stop you, so go ahead." <laughs> and it was great. It was like one of the most fun things. Like you get off. Uh, the bus at the port authority, and you don't have to worry about bags or luggage. You just, you just go wherever you're going. You just go hang out in New York. It was really fun, but it was a little tough to make it the two days with nothing. But but it's just like we we're like, hey, if we need socks or underwear, we're like, we'll just buy some. <laughs> like, what's the big deal? So yeah, it was fun, but uh, I doubt I'll ever do that again. It was like a like a weird thing to do. Yeah, and it does set them off if there's something, anything odd. I know the last time I went to, uh, oh, was it Cuba or Dominican Republic with the girlfriends? Of course, they came back with all the big luggage and everything. Well, I had nothing. I had a, a little carry-on bag. And did I buy anything? No, I didn't. Well, immediately I got shifted out of the line and got <laughs> the dog sniffing me all over. Check my pockets and check everything else, because I guess they couldn't believe that you could go somewhere and come <laughs> back and not buy anything. Yeah, that is what a weird consumerist world we're in. Yeah, like that's suspicious. <laughs> you would just go for the trip. Just what? You mean you just went for the experiences? <laughs> Who does that? Yeah, you just went to kind of yeah. Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> Yeah, what's that saying? It's like, uh, yeah, like uh, experiences over possessions. Like that's, yeah, but I guess not. Not when you're going to Cuba on a vacation. <laughs> Man, all right. Well, I really should go. I gotta, gotta take a shower and stuff. And yeah, it's actually getting a little close to meeting time. So. Okay. Well, let me know how that turns out because that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, I will. I might tell you, and definitely email me, and I'll read the book. Yeah, I'll send it. I'll send it tonight. Should be no problem. Yeah, and it's like in a PDF format. You probably, I think you have the thing on your computer to read those. If there's any problem, just let me know, and I can send it as just plain text. But, okay. You know, it just kind of formats it so it looks a little fancy, like a book or whatever. Alrighty. Cool. All right. So I guess I'll talk to you next Monday. Next Monday night. <laughs> Maybe shorter. I don't know. It's weird too, because like I had different little topics and ideas, and I'm like, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Today I'll just. Tonight just, was just the ramble. Right, and then that ends up being longer somehow. <laughs> I thought it would be shorter, but yeah, it's whatever. Not doing anything else until now. So, cool. All right. Okay. okay. Talk to you soon then. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye.